You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey, hey, welcome in, everybody, the Utopia Podcast. This time of year, with the World Series going on, I don't like to pigeonhole us into Utopia Football Podcast. We're just the Utopia Podcast. Although, John, full disclosure, and of course, I'm talking to John McClain, the Hall of Famer, senior Texans columnist for SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on 610. Um, as we're recording this, John, it, Game 3 has not taken place yet. We had a rain out yesterday, so... We love, we have loved you and I mixing in Astros talk on Utopia, but the timing of the podcast world makes it a little tough. So if people are tuning in for Astros stuff, we may mix in a little stuff, but it's going to be very general. And we apologize if it's obsolete by tomorrow morning because of game three, right? Yeah, we can still talk about it. The rain out, the effect of the rain out. I think it's amazing all the trouble the Phillies fans are going to, to try to, intimidate the Astros to have an impact on the series. I wrote about this on Monday on gallerysports.com about it's just amazing to me that people up there think they're going to make a difference. They seem to have forgot where the Astros have been playing over the last two years. And and uh, the way you listen to these national broadcasters talk about nobody ever loses at Citizens Bank Field. And they haven't this year, but the Astros hadn't lost at home until the Phillies came to town. So if they act like that, Citizens Bank Park is a, a some kind of entity that keeps opposing teams from winning. And you know, I go back to they were, what, 13 games over 500 yeah. during the season. And, and I had a blast at the games here. You know, the first one was depressing. The second one was exciting. But... I am uh, the, there was they asked Dusty <laughs> they asked Dusty after the before the postponement why not go back to Verlander for game four instead of Javier and what he said you he knows not what he's thinking he's thinking well he's zero and six in the playoffs with yeah. a six oh something ERA I'm going with Javier who's been better yeah that's it's it's plain and simple stay the course Javier's been a better pitcher in the postseason. Than, than Justin Verlander has. And Javier's been damn near close to Verlander throughout the regular season as well. You know, if, he, if, if Javier had the right amount of innings, if he had reached the threshold, John, he would be among the league leaders in a lot of different categories for starting pitchers. It's just he wasn't used similar to a workhorse type starter, but he's been really, really good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you on that. Um, as far as the rainout goes, 
and the ripple effect it has on the Texans and that game on Thursday. John, that, that to me is the fascinating thing, is that before that Thursday game had, had the stage to itself, and it was already, I think, going to be a rough look for the Texans on Amazon on Thursday night with Eagles fans likely uh, storming the building, you know, just uh, uh, big numbers for Eagles fans. This is the most popular secondary market ticket of the season for NRG Stadium. And then the possibility that you would have had game six and game seven Friday and Saturday, if there were game six and game seven, it was lined up perfectly for Philadelphia fans to come in and have the weekend of a lifetime. Um, Now you've got game five being played in Philadelphia concurrently with the Texans and the Eagles, which is a fascinating, fascinating coincidence. Bad enough for Amazon that – the World Series all of a sudden is playing on that night, although NFL is king, but it'll eat into their numbers. But it's really going to eat into their numbers because of the, the the two cities are the exact same two cities. What do you think this looks like in stadium on Thursday now, John, given this dynamic of the Astros and the Phillies playing the same night? I checked before the season and um, to find out how many more tickets had been sold of that Browns game than any other game, and the Browns game was not the most popular. It mm-hmm. was the Eagles. And the reason is because the Eagles, they travel, but they also have a lot of fans, enthusiastic fans around. So I thought it's going to be a pro-Eagles crowd anyway. And uh, there'll be a lot of people uh, watching on their cells. Uh, maybe they can carry it on their tablets, but – uh, I don't think there'll be a lot of Texans fans. There will be Texans fans. They have a loyal group that show up. And there's nothing going to happen in the game Thursday that's going to surprise us. We know they're going to get blown out. They're playing the best team in the league, undefeated. Jalen Hurts, 10 touchdowns passing, six rushing, fifth overall leading passer with a 105 rating. He's coming home. Everybody in Channel View will be there to see him. And so they're the Tennessee went into the game ranked 20th in rushing. The Eagles are fifth, and they're tied for third against the run, which was also better than the Titans. And so I think that they're going to blow them out. Nothing that happens in that game surprises me. The the Amazon crew, pregame, during the game, and postgame, it'll all be about the Eagles. They know nobody cares about the Texans. They know nobody's going to care about the Texans until they get to the number one pick in the draft. And then when the season ends, Texans are going to get a lot of attention because they're going to have the top pick because they're wretched coming off one of the most embarrassing performances of any professional team in Houston history and that 17-10 loss to the Titans in which Lovey Smith just didn't have that team ready to play. And so I don't think that Thursday night's going to be a big deal. The only way I would be surprised, Sean, is if the game were close mm-hmm. or if the Texans pull an upset. And I just don't see that happening. No, I don't either. Um, you talk about the Titans game. You and I obviously covered that game uh, on uh, Monday's episode of Utopia. But just as sort of, you know, continued crumbs falling out of that game, because what I found, John, is, yeah, you and I recorded right after the game on Sunday. The podcast dropped Monday. What I've learned over the last couple of days is that people who didn't see that game live have gotten to the condensed version of that game, you know, national people who watch it. And they're blown away by just 
they're blown away by the fact that the score was 17 to 10 for that game. <laughs> because if you just watch it play to play on either side of the football, it looks like a Pop Warner team playing against a bunch of adults, like especially for the Texans defensively versus Derrick Henry. How about these for numbers, John? Just get your reaction to these. These are numbers that I, I unearthed or saw on Twitter. Um, this was Derrick Henry's sixth game of 200 yards or more rushing and two touchdowns rushing, two or more touchdowns. He said six. That's double the Nick, the next closest player in NFL history. Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, LaDainian Tomlinson all had three. So Derrick Henry has six. The next closest has three. Derrick Henry would have more than anybody else in history, even if you just counted his games against the Texans. Four against the Texans is more than any other player in the history of the league has against the other 31 teams in the league. How about that? Well, And they knew exactly what was coming. They didn't surprise them. And I don't, they benched, looked like Roy Lopez was benched. He didn't start. Uh, you had Big Heine, Kurt Heine starting on the nose. You had Thomas Booker playing for uh, Malik Collins, and those two guys just got steamrolled. They got wiped, the yeah. And um, there, everything they did in that game was just terrible. But as it is, you look up like, why are you being so negative? And they only lost about seven. My God, I've never seen a score that was less indicative of the game than that one. Yeah, it was a horrible, horrible way to spend three hours on a Sunday, no doubt. A couple more numbers here, John. This one I know you knew. They ran 25 plays the Texans did in the first half for a total of 35 yards. So before we sit here and talk about Derrick Henry this and Derrick Henry that, know that the Texans offensively, other than the final drive, where the Titans were probably more thinking about where they were going to eat dinner when they got back to Nashville, um, the Texans had 25 plays for 35 yards in the first half. How about this, John? This I'll credit John Harris with this one because I heard it on Texans radio on Monday. The Texans had two turnovers or uh, forced two turnovers in that game. The fumbled punt by Robert Woods and then the interception by Steven Nelson. Both of them set the Texans up in Titans territory. The fumble set them up at the Titans 42. The Nelson interception set them up at the Titans 11. The next plays that were run after each of those turnovers netted minus 26 yards. They went 13 yards backwards on each of those drives after the turnover. So the fumble after the punt resulted in a punt back to the Titans, and the interception by Nelson resulted in what for most of the day were the only three points that the Texans scored uh, on a Kaimi Fairbairn field goal. John, that's like the, the opposite of taking advantage of turnovers. Minus 26 yards on the two drives after turnovers. That's, John, pathetic. I think Pep Hamilton will be one and done as an offensive coordinator. This offense is terrible, and they have a running game, a running back for the first time in a long time, and Davis Mills has just regressed in embarrassing fashion, and he's the same quarterback he was last year when he had three ratings and triple digits over the last five games, including 125 with three touchdowns, no interceptions, and that three-point loss to the Titans in the last game. And in this game, he was bad from not to finish because they had a 90-yard drive in the last series. But he was terrible. I thought he should have been benched for Kyle Allen. I thought because the game was uh, winnable that he should have been pulled when it was 10-3 to and let let Kyle Allen see if he could do any better. But I think they're going to get a new quarterback at the top of the draft 
It's going to be a matter of whether it's C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. And then it's going to be uh, – there's going to be a new offensive coordinator. I do not think they will fire Lovey Smith and have two one-and-done coaches in consecutive years. Okay. Well, you you just answered about half the questions for the mailbag and that one thought that you had right there. But we're, st- we're still going to plow through these because there are some, some interesting – hypotheticals or I guess, you know, sort of um, more nuanced questions about Lovey Smith and his job and, and Pep and so forth. So let's, let's say, Oh, before we hit the mailbag, John, my one other number, I don't know if you knew this. I looked this up. There are as many 2019 Houston Texans, 2019, not Texans overall, 2019 Houston Texans on the Titans as there are on the Texans in 2022. That's amazing. Last year, the Texans won. The AFC South beat Buffalo in a playoff game. Isn't that hard to believe? Crazy. Buffalo's a Super Bowl favorite, and the Texans have gone straight down the toilet and into the sewer. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and they have those, they had, they had, let's see, three starters, seven players, a bunch of coaches, and others in that team that were here with Mike Vrabel that uh that they have up there and they've won four in a row and they're five and two and yet their offense is terrible too because the passing game and uh, i just can't believe you have a quarterback who wasn't supposed to start in the nfl this season throwing one pass in the second half and being as bad as malik willis and you still get dominated dominated absolutely dominated no doubt yeah dylan cole zach cunningham lonnie johnson aj moore on the titans Texans, Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, Kymie Fairbairn, and John Weeks, who's never going to die ever. He's immortal. He's going to play until uh, till the end of time, John. The 200 games. 200 games, baby. 200 games. All right, let's get to some of these questions. The mail Should back we offer him, excuse me, should we offer him condolences instead of congratulations? John, he interviewed, Landry interviewed him after the game on Sunday, and I thought John did such a great job because he was – it is a big milestone. You know, John, John Weeks probably didn't expect to play one game in the NFL when he was coming out of Baylor. He was out of football. He was back a firefighter, right? He was about to become an EMT. Yeah. And there was a tryout camp in Arizona for snappers, and he decided to go. And the rest is NFL and Texans history, the greatest snapper in league history. Absolutely. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy either. But Landry was hitting him with questions, and this is how Weeks hangs around for so long. He was talking about, you know, ask about the accomplishment of 200 games, and John would not get off the fact that they lost the game to the Titans that day. That is smart. Um, he's a team guy, and you know he's smart because of where he went to school. Sick him. Yep. That's where a lot Sick of my him. money went. Yep. Um, all right, let's get, to, uh, let's get to some of these questions. If you want to email the mailbag, and, and those of you who are regular emailers to it, we really, really thank mailbag at gmail.com. You can send in anything, any question you want answered. We'll do our best to answer them here. If they don't get answered in this edition of the mailbag, then know that uh, we do keep the good ones uh, in the holster in case they're more applicable later in the season or in the off season. mailbag at gmail.com. Um, Emil in Montrose says, if they fire Lovey Smith, do you think they would replace him with a young offensive-minded coach? Seems to be working in Philadelphia, Miami, the Giants, the Vikings, and the Bengals right now. Well, there's quite a few defensive-oriented coaches are working pretty well, too, starting with Bill Belichick. So I don't buy that. You have a good offensive coordinator and a play caller. It doesn't matter if the head coach is offensive or defense. I don't like the head coach calling plays anyway. 
and so, no, I don't think Lovey Smith's going to get fired. I don't see any way the Houston Texans are going to have a one-and-done coach two years in a row. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I agree with you, John. I don't think they will either, but let, let's let's frame this question a little bit differently instead. And you just said that you think Pep is going to be one and done. What kind of coach, what kind of system, what ch- coaching tree, if that matters to you, would you like to see the offensive coordinator come from, the new offensive coordinator? He would like to be somebody that's up to date on the NFL, somebody that has an innovative, creative, and a tried and true system. Can be a great quarterback coach, but I prefer prefer to see somebody who's actually called plays, like get a coordinator comes from a team's getting fired because defense is terrible. But they got to have somebody do better on this offense. And right now, yes, they don't have good players on oversight either side of the ball. And they have been in every game in the fourth quarter this season, except this one. And even you could say on the Titans, it was still 17 to three. They were within striking distance, but that to say they had a chance to win would be BS. Yeah. But this is the first really bad game in which they look like they didn't want play now if they bounce back and give an effort that shocks everybody against the eagles then you know we'll praise them next week but the, the of course the silver lining is you're getting closer to the top pick and get any quarterback in a draft that's supposed to be a great quarterback draft all right so i'm, I'm crossing off if you send in any form of do you think lovey smith is back next year be honest do you really think lovey will be back just know that we've we've hammered that one home at this point at this point, both John and I think Lovey will be back next year. Doesn't doesn't mean that that can't change because John, if this thing gets to two fourteen and one or something like that, then I and, and and forget about the record. If they look, I know they're not good. I know they're not talented. But if they look as as inferior against other NFL teams routinely as they did on Sunday, then they are going to have to give serious thought to firing Lovey Smith. They just have to. And you're right. I agree. If they continue to put out the effort they did against Tennessee, he's gone. But they hadn't done that except one time. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So that, so it just, no, if you sent any version of that question in, there's no reason to waste time on it. Um, This is from Kevin Coffey says, did Lovey slash Pep paint themselves into a corner by giving Dari Agumbawale those garbage time snaps? Not that they could before, but how can they justify giving Rex more touches than Dario Gumbawale? Rex didn't have a lot of touches in that game. Nope. You know, he, he threw an option pass, which was a terrible call. God. And uh, 
and it was what from the eleven yard line. Now he was smart to throw it away because nobody was open. Mm-hmm. My goodness, I don't like option plays down that close to the goal line. To me, you want them away. And uh, but I, I just know they if they thought Dari Gumbawale could play, he'd be in there. I mean, yeah. It's Pip Hamilton's decision, unless Lovey Smith says you absolutely have to do this, and that's not Lovey's style. All right, Chris in Atlanta says, I understand the process with the Texans, but my frustration has been building for over three seasons now. My question, or questions, why would I want to continue to buy into this pathetic, all caps, I think that's an homage to you, John, pathetic Texans product this season. What would be your selling points to get me to continue to root for the team this season? Wait for this, John. Not counting on the optimism of the high draft picks. <laughs> so what reason? He says, disclaimer, I'm still going to root for them, but good Lord, it's painful. I agree. Um, can you think of any other selling point to continue rooting for the team in 2022 other than Stingley, Petrie, Pierce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Well, watching those, I thought he was talking about this next draft. Uh, to see, like, you know, are they going to be so bad? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let's, you know, okay. Like, you can't say that because the young players developing, that's a reason to watch them. It is. Yep. They got good state. The best part of the team is the special teams. Don't you like to watch punter and kicker and the greatest snapper in NFL history? How many teams other than Tampa Bay can say they have the greatest player at his position in NFL history like the Texans can? Yeah. John Weeks. So watching snapper John Weeks make history, there's your good reason to watch this team. Continue to make history. John, all he's doing is building on his record right now. He's he's, he's going to be like Cal Ripken when this whole thing's over. It's going to be unbelievable. You know, I, I, uh, I had such high hopes for Davis Mills. I still believe the problem's Pat Hamilton. And watching young guys, Nico Collins, when he comes back, to me, watching Damian Pierce run the ball, yeah, he, he leads the NFL in yardage break in broken tackles. So there's the number one thing is to watch Damian Pierce. Jalen Petrie the other day had two tackles for loss, one tackle for no gain. He didn't get credit in the stat sheet like he should have. But to me, watching Damian Pierce right now is the highlight for this team. Pierce on the odds board is still second behind Kenneth Walker, the third for offensive rookie of the year. John Jalen Petrie is third on the odds board for uh, defensive rookie of the year right now. How about that? Who are the first two? I'm pulling it up right now. I knew you were going to ask me that. I'm pulling it up. Uh, I'm pulling it up. Well, it won't be either one of them because they're on a pathetic team. It'll come from teams like Kenneth Walker plays for Seattle. Right now, I would take everybody's going to say Brian Dable who just got his ass kicked by Pete Carroll. I'm thinking Pete Carroll is the coach of the year. Geno yeah. Smith is the comeback player of the year. And John Snyder may be the executive of the year because we all had such low hopes for the Seahawks and they are in first place in a division with defending Super Bowl champions and the 49ers. And so that won't, I'm guessing it won't last, but still Pete Carroll's done a tremendous job. Jalen Petrie is third on the board behind Sauce Gardner, who's the leader right now, and Tariq Woolen of Seattle, who wasn't even on the board at the beginning of the, he wasn't on the board three weeks ago. And now he's four to one to win rookie of the year. So 
Yeah, when the Earth surprise, and you're right, John. G- good call. Geno Smith is uh, is the leader, the odds leader for comeback player of the year. Wasn't even on the board at the start of the season. Pete Carroll right now is fourth on the odds board for Jeez, coach of the give year. Give me a break. Well, who's who, a, who's ahead of him besides Dayball? Dayball. Dayball's ahead of him. Nick Sirianni's ahead of him. Nick Sirianni's undefeated. He's you know he is undefeated, but they were didn't they make the playoffs last year? Nine and eight. Yeah, they made the playoffs last year. And then Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell's doing a really good job, but yeah. nobody picked the Vikings to be among the three or four worst teams in the league. Nobody picked Philadelphia. There, everybody says it's going to be Philly or the Cowboys, where everybody picked Seattle to be, have a high draft choice. Sala, maybe they end up that way. Sala is fifth right now. Solid. He won't even be on the list one. The way Zach Wilson's <laughs> what, playing. What did Solid do to you, John? You were you, Zach, you sounded disgusted. No, Zach Wilson is awful. They yeah. lost Brees Hall. They lost the starting offensive lineman. No, I'm the with Jets you. Jets are gonna fade. They are. No, they're 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 gonna fade for sure. I'm with you on that. All right, let's so let's keep it moving, John. Let's get a few more of these in here. Um, Dave Howard says, I've mailbagged this record to John before and I'm updating it. In the history of Houston professional football. Okay, here's a preview for Thursday, John. No Houston team has ever defeated the Philadelphia Eagles. 11-0 the Eagles are against Houston-based football teams. Not that it's going to happen on Thursday, but it'd really be a good time to end the streak, Dave says. John, do you know the uh, exact – I'm holding it in my hand, so I, I'm cheating a little bit. Do you know the exact record of the Oilers and the Texans uh, each? It's 11-0 combined. Do you know what each of their records are against the Eagles? I would say, let's see – 20 to 21 divided by four is seven, uh, five, five. I would say the Texans are 0 and five yep. and the Oilers were 0 and six. Yep. Yep. I'm curious if you, I remember all the Texan ones, John, but I wasn't here for any of that. Well, actually the, the Eagle, the 1994, I was here. I remember that game. That was a Monday night game. Eagles 21, Oilers six. That was the Cody Carlson year. I remember that. I, I, I remember that well. It was a week after I moved here. Um, the other ones, 1991, the Eagles beat the Oilers 13-6. to six. Uh, That was probably a Warren Moon joint, I guess. Only six points for the Eagles or for the Oilers. Uh, 1988, Eagles 32, Oilers 23. Tell me if you remember any of these, John. I remember all of them. I covered them. Do you remember? But do you, like, remember anything? Like, does anything remarkable happen in these? Or were they just? Yeah, the 1991 games, one of the most physical games I've ever seen. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be a Reggie White-Jerome Brown joint for the Eagles. It was Seth Joyner made one of the hardest hits I've ever seen. It was was like old-fashioned football. Uh, 88, uh, Eagles 32, Oilers 23. Do you remember that one? Yep. Uh, No many remember any thing about it though not yeah. like the 91 game 82 was 82 the strike here yep three games were played by the scabs no that was 87 82 was like the oh yeah yeah like 82 the they missed year. they missed seven games yeah yeah eagles 35 oilers 14 that year um that was post pastorini yeah um, i don't remember anything about that their quarterbacks in 82 were gifford nelson archie manning oliver luck oh okay well all two of them had fam- two of them had famous sons. Yeah, yes, <laughs> who uh, who wound up playing for the same organization. Um, Nineteen seventy nine, Eagles twenty six, Oilers twenty. 
That was right before the end of what would be a season the Oilers went to the AFC title game. 1979 is the last season that Houston had a team and that reached the championship game. Yep. Um, and that was a December game, so that was late in the season. And then then, then you got to go all the way back to 1972. God, they didn't play for seven years. Eagles 18, Oilers 17. That was think- a close game considering how pathetic the Oilers were that back year. then. Yeah, they were they probably- past three second season. Yep, yep. So there you go. little history lesson for you. So, John, we're trying to trying to uh, snap snap that winning streak on Thursday night. I'm guessing as a 13-point underdog, this is not the year that it happens. But it ain't know, gonna be happening. Dare to dream. A couple more, John. Cameron Sims says, do you think the product on the field would be drastically different had Frank Ross been given a shot at the head coaching job? I like Frank Ross, John. I like him a lot. Everybody likes Frank. Special teams are doing well, but I don't think it would be any different. No, no, I don't think so either. Do you think Frank Ross can be a head coach someday? Oh boy, I've never thought of Frank that way, but I don't know. It's, it's rare that a special teams coach is successful as a head coach. John Arbaugh, of course, being the most successful in history, but uh, I have no clue. Uh, last, last couple here, John. Um, uh, rank the QBs in the AFC South. Well, let's see. Malik Willis would be number one, <laughs> and Davis Mills would be last, and Trevor Lawrence would be second, and Sam Ellinger – no, Sam Ellinger would be second, and Trevor Lawrence would be third. Is, John, is that the most depressing quartet of quarterbacks that have ever quarterbacked the division before on a Sunday? I just unbelievable. It's incredible. It's just, un- it's just unbelievable. I'm stunned Trevor Lawrence has not done better under Doug Peterson. He yeah. threw a couple of interceptions that you wonder, what in the world are you thinking? Yeah. I was told he was a generational prospect. John, Everybody this, thought that. Yep, yep. And he may still be. Who knows? But, uh, boy, it's it, that's not trending that way. Last one is from Derwin, John. I thought that I thought about this this weekend as Carolina was making that comeback and probably should have beat Atlanta. Do you think P.J. Walker would be a better fit than Davis Mills? I think if Pep Hamilton's coaching him and the offense is Pep Hamilton's, no. Okay, John, how good a quarterback do you need to be to thrive in Pep Hamilton's offense? Uh, Andrew Luck couldn't do it. Yeah. Pep got fired midway through the 2015 season. Why does he keep getting jobs then? Well, the only one he's had is a – this is the first one he's had as a play caller since then. Okay. He was one year at Michigan, and he was coach and GM in the XFL. But right now – the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. You know, he's not doing a good job. Lovey's not doing a good job. And they're the coordinators. Frank Ross, special teams coordinator, is doing a good job. Promote Frank Ross. That's the theme of the Utopia podcast today. All right. Um, John, that is it. Uh, we, it was a lot of a lot of fire Lovey, fire Pep, Texan stink. Eagles are going to kill him. That's just the way it goes in the mailbag. So, um, our mailbag next week. By the time, John, by the time we do the mailbag next week, the Texans Eagles game will be in the books and we will know who the winner of the World Series is. So, it should be a serious, serious mailbag next week. H O U mailbag at gmail.com. John, what do you got going on on all your various outlets? On uh, sportsradio610.com, I put up my observations this morning and every one of them is negative. And um, as they should be, and I have a column on the Astros 
on gallerysports.com, and I'll have another one tomorrow. I don't write at night. I write the next morning, so I'll be writing Astro's column for Wednesday, and I will talk to you on Wednesday morning at 8, even though this might not be posted by then. Uh yeah, I will pa- yeah, I'll be talking to you tomorrow morning. We'll preview the we'll preview the uh the Eagles and the Texans and we'll do a little for real or fugazi tomorrow morning. I can't wait. All right, sounds good. That's the great John McClain. We thank Figgy Fig for getting this podcast to each and every one of you. Again, jot it down. Put it in your uh, address book, mailbag at gmail.com. We appreciate everybody who takes the time to send in a question. We try to answer as many as we can in our mailbag episode. And with that, he is John McClain. I am Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. Until tomorrow, we will see you then. This has been the Utopia Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.